This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting in Michigan. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I am Jolan Ansami, your co-host joined by Natasha Sardorj, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit. America's Roundtable brings together leading voices from business, government, media, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and via YouTube on International Leaders Summit. Visit iLeadersSummit.org. This weekend on America's Roundtable, we are truly honored to be joined by two patriotic Americans, Congressman Scott Taylor from the Great Commonwealth of Virginia and Mayor Nancy DeBoer, who served the city of Holland in the great state of Michigan. We begin our time together on America's Roundtable with Congressman Scott Taylor. Scott Taylor sustained serious injuries on a combat mission during Operation Iraqi Freedom. When he returned home to America, Mr. Taylor became successful in real estate and used the GI Bill to receive a degree in international relations from Harvard. After spending time as a legislator in the Virginia House of Delegates, he accepted the call to run for the U.S. Congress in 2016 and defeated a 16-year incumbent. Now, he is at work focusing to win back the seat in the area covering the cities of Virginia Beach and Williamsburg and parts of the cities of Norfolk and Hampton. Indeed, it is our great honor to welcome to America's Roundtable a great American patriot. Welcome, Congressman Scott Taylor. Welcome, Congressman Scott Taylor. Good morning. It's always a pleasure to be with y'all. Congressman Taylor, this week in Washington, D.C., American leaders and engaged stakeholders advancing the principal policy, Peace Through Strength, witnessed a historic event with all our fellow Americans. Through the tireless efforts of President Donald J. Trump and his administration, and backed with the support of Republican elected leaders, President Trump secured a historic deal with the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain, normalizing its relations with the Jewish state of Israel. Congressman Taylor, you were on the battlefield in the Middle East serving as a U.S. Navy SEAL and as part of the peacemaking leadership endeavors advanced by Republican leaders. How would you describe the events of 2015-2016 of the Obama appeasement efforts with Iran when compared to today's transformational Trump doctrine of peace through strength in the Middle East with Israel, UAE, and Bahrain normalizing relations and working to secure peace and stability in this perilous region? Absolutely. A great question. Uh, under the Obama administration, their policies were absolutely disastrous, created power vacuums. It enabled a uh, malignant Iran who, of course, spread terror and uh, created insecurities all around the region and insurgencies in, in other countries as well. They, they essentially propped them up with piles of cash uh, that, that not only, of course, did that cause insecurity around the region, but it was a direct threat to our biggest ally there, of course, Israel. And so the, the, the contrast is, it couldn't even be clearer. I mean, you have the, this administration who understands peace through strength, understands that in the Middle East, the people either respect or fear strength. If you don't have strength, then you get neither respect nor fear. <laughs> so and, and I think what, what's been amazing here, uh, unlike a lot of the elite experts that you've been hearing from for decades in, in the media and in Washington, 
Uh, and I'll specifically, I'll talk about John Kerry. I just saw a clip and he's, he has this very, very elite perspective. It's like, well, there, you can, you definitely can't, you have to, I spoke to the leaders in the Arab world and they're not going to make peace with, with Palestine. I just talked to them. They're not going to do it. Uh, but you have, you know, you have this guy from Washington who is an elitist himself, who doesn't understand the Middle East, who, who basically, uh, had this this viewpoint that was completely fundamentally wrong, and then you had the president who comes in and totally understands peace through strength, understands that you had to put the Palestinians, quite frankly, in a box because you you're not negotiating, as you know, Joel, you're not negotiating with two ends. It's not just the Palestinians and the Israelis. You're and within the Palestinians, you have Hamas, and then you have the, uh, the the Palestinian Authority. They don't agree with each other, so it's like it's a it's, a, it's three folks trying to negotiate peace. Furthermore, you'd have the Palestinian, uh, the cause, if you will, in Arab states, they would basically use that as a means to shore up their support in their country, saying that they support Palestine, but but not really wanting to deal with the issue at hand. This president understood that you could go, you could bypass the Palestinians, speak with Israel and the Arab countries who who want peace, who understand uh, largely because of the activities of the Obama, Obama administration that enabled Iran is a security, a national security issue for them as well as Israel, and had already behind the scenes been talking and working with Israel. He understood that you could bypass this issue, have those two meet, then eventually force the Palestinians to work towards peace, right? And, and so I think it was a brilliant strategy that sort of flipped the Middle East on its head, but utilized peace through strength. And basically under, understanding the conditions on the ground has, has put the Middle East on a path towards peace, unlike it's been for decades. Congressman Taylor, in 2016, you, Jolan Ansami, and I, together with our delegation from the Jerusalem Leaders Summit, organized by the International Leaders Summit, visited the Barkan Industrial Park in Judea and Samaria, the biblical heartland also known as the West Bank. Some 160 factories in the area are providing 7,000 jobs with Arabs representing 60% of the workforce. They receive 300% higher salaries than their fellow nationals under Hamas in Gaza, not to mention the unemployment rate among the Arabs, which is at 60% in Gaza versus 16% in Judea and Samaria. The ignorance or belligerence of U.S. legislators and other individuals pushing for the BDS, targeting Israel, boycott, divest and sanction Israel, ends up hurting Jews and Arabs alike. They are not representing the interests of Jews, Arabs or the U.S. taxpayers who end up footing the bill when things go south. The BDS movement is something that I've been dealing with when I was a state delegate and then U.S. Congress, and it's much like a lot of leftist policies. Uh, even if well-intended, it creates the exact opposite. It harms the people that they say they actually want to help, and you reference it very well. you got Palestinians who want to feed their families, who want to have the dignity of work, but in the Palestinian Authority, the unemployment rate is super high. They make more money in the Israeli factories. They want to work there. You, you, we, we spoke to them, right? Uh, they, they understand that the Palestinian Authority, the elites there, and then Hamas, they don't speak for the Palestinian people and certainly not the folks that are actually working in those families. So when you have the BDS movement, all you're doing is hurting the least amongst the Palestinians. You're actually hurting their ability to feed their families and have the dignity of a job. 
Uh, so it, it's so misguided, that, that policy. According to the Wall Street Journal this week, officials from the UAE, Bahrain and other Gulf countries have said they are frustrated with the Palestinians. Congressman Taylor, are we closer to getting the Palestinian Arabs to the table in the Middle East or when is it going to happen? That's an excellent question. So we've been, you know, following the same policies for decades and it hasn't gotten us, gotten us anywhere. In fact, it's got us further apart because now you have Hamas that controls uh, Gaza and the Palestinian Authority who controls the West Bank. They don't, they don't agree on anything. The, the leaders from the Palestinian Authority haven't been in Gaza for over a decade because they would get killed most likely. And I actually sat with the vice president of the Palestinian Authority in Ramallah a couple years ago speaking to him and it was and we were asking him very pointed questions and it was very clear that the the elites in, in Palestine are are interested you know especially in Ramallah they're interested in themselves and power more than they are the people but i think under this administration and the moves that uh, that this president has made and the buy in from arab states like the uae like bahrain and i think oman will be next and even under the table saudi arabia too i think eventually they'll they'll be next as well it's, I, I think that this president has put us on a path towards peace that will force the Palestinian leadership because their, their people will force them to the table. Whereas before, in the, la in the last few decades, they haven't been forced to the table to negotiate. They could come there and get some concessions and then, and then walk back. And they had the Arab states yelling for, the, for their calls, basically. But it didn't move us any closer towards peace. This president, this administration have flipped it on its head, and I think that they have put the Palestinians in a box. And I don't say that to be negative towards the Palestinians. There's obviously the great people who are, in, who are Palestinian. But the reality is it's their leaders that have prevented them from having a lasting peace, prevented them from things that are, that are necessary that they should, they, they should have on the table. For example, if you're in the West Bank and the Palestinian Authority, you should be able to export goods that you're making and stuff like that. And that's a, that's a problem right now. So I think that they're are legitimate things that they can negotiate with Israel. I think Israel wants to negotiate, of course, and, and create peace and so that people can live and prosper and fulfill them, their, have fulfilling lives. But under this administration, I think that we are, we are closer down the path to, to peace than we've ever been. Indeed, Natasha and I recalled your poignant and powerful speech on peace through strength that you delivered at the Jerusalem Leaders Summit in December 2016 in Israel when we all saw an emboldened and menacing Iran, a state sponsor of terrorism. Now, some four years later, we have seen the Trump administration defeating ISIS, removing Iran's General Soleimani, an architect of terror in the Middle East and beyond, and President Trump leading a historic peace agreement with Arab nations and Israel. A recent study published in December 2019 stated that since 2001, we have spent some $6.4 trillion in the wars of Afghanistan, Iraq, Libya, and Syria, and also the heroic lives lost, our courageous U.S. men and women in uniform who served our nation with valor. Indeed, we know all too well how it impacts America, our defense commitments, both our national treasure, our U.S. forces, and America's interests. Congressman Taylor, why is peace through strength so vital, securing peace deals and not pushing wars, these endless wars? Well, I mean, from personal experience, I, I've buried more of my friends than I wish on anybody. Listen to Amazing Grace played on the bagpipes at funerals more than I'd ever wish on my worst opponent. And I think that 
you know, like the, the way that this president has looked at this and understanding sort of from, if you look at the theory of, of realism and in international relations, I, uh, I think this president sort of were, is more of a realist in international relations, understanding that states are the highest powers in the world and understanding that states have an inherent interest to sort of balance power and understanding that we're not going to push uh, our, we're not going to make Iraq in the likeness of us. They're different. Their culture is different. It's been around for a long time. It's just, it's just much different. So you have to navigate in the world the way it is as opposed to the way that you would wish it to be. And I think that this, this president understands that. And if you don't do that, if you, just, if you try to use your military to sort of make other countries in, the, in you know, Afghanistan a liberal democracy, I mean, that's just or nation building. It's kind of ridiculous. And it doesn't work. And only after years of lives and treasure that are spent, it's very clear that is, that is the case. I think it's crazy that the Democrats in Congress were trying to hamstring the president from actually bringing troops back from Afghanistan. It's, it's, it's amazing to me. Um, this president has been able to negotiate and deal with the world as it is, the countries, the leaders as they are, and, and actually push for peace. He should definitely get a, a Nobel Peace Prize. There's no question about it. You know, he's wanting to stop the cycle of, of endless wars. We got a lot of things that we, can, that we need to deal with at home. Uh, that we could be spending that money here, of course, and shoring up, obviously, after this COVID uh, issue and a rising China and, and, and a malignant Russia as well. Uh, so, I, look, I, I, I'm supportive of this president and his policies internationally, and I think that he is, uh, is doing a wonderful job there. Thank you so much for joining us on America's Roundtable, Congressman Taylor, and we wish you well as you continue your efforts in advancing America's first principles and the efforts to secure the seat in Virginia. Thank you, Congressman Taylor. Thank you. I look forward to seeing you guys again, and hopefully we'll be uh, overseas and promoting leadership around the world again together. Under President Trump's leadership, the Middle East is embracing peace, and there is a historic geopolitical change in the region. Saudi Arabia opened its airspace for commercial flights between Israel and the United Arab Emirates after 72 years of persistent barriers. President Trump presided over the historic signing of a Middle East peace agreement between Israel, United Arab Emirates and Bahrain, calling it the foundation for a broader alignment against Iran. And they are so appropriately called the Abraham Accords Peace Agreement. This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting in Michigan. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I am Jolan Ansami, your co-host joined by Natasha Sardoj, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit. America's Roundtable brings together leading voices from business, government, media, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and via YouTube on International Leaders Summit. Visit iLeadersSummit.org.